Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Zion. So glad you all can come and be here with us today. Excited to jump into the scriptures. If you're new here with us today, we're in a series in the book of Luke, and we are in the middle of Luke chapter 8 today, and we're talking about the ministry of Jesus. What was Jesus doing and teaching when he was going around all of Judea uh, before he goes to the cross? And um, that is where we are now before Jesus gets to Jerusalem. We get an insight into his ministry. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 18. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at Zion. Does anybody remember life before the iPhone flashlight? Specifically, do you remember trying to go to the bathroom at night? before the iPhone flashlight. It was a practice of fumbling through the dark, stubbing your toe on the walls, hitting your head on things that were not closed properly, stepping on toys if you had them in the house and trying not to scream and curse too loud to wake up everybody else in the house. Uh, yeah, I, I walk through my house and I use my flashlight a thousand times a day and I constantly wonder, I can't remember how I used to get through life in the dark without this thing because the iPhone flashlight, I think, is the most underrated technological advances and changes that have changed every single one of our lives. Never again do we have to walk through the dark. Uh, you know, I have seen people at restaurants light up their menus to try to read them, uh, walk through the house at night, walk through the streets at concerts. I don't know what this does, but it does something. Uh, when people are recording in a fully lit room, they have their flashlight on. All these amazing things that we have seen with the flashlight. Uh, but one light, come on, this is a preacher now, that has changed everything is the light of Jesus. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Let's read Luke chapter 8 together, verses 16 to 18. You have it in your service sheets next to you. No one, Jesus says, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Amen, the word of the Lord. So I don't know if you remember walking through the dark without that iPhone flashlight, but a lot of times that is like how it feels walking through life. You ever feel like you're walking through life and you're just fumbling through the dark, not knowing if you are headed in the right direction, hoping against hope that you will not regret the decisions that you are making today, sometimes knowing that you are probably going to regret the things that you are doing today, but you don't know a better way or haven't been able to find a better way that you can walk through. So often in our life, we don't know who we are. We are constantly searching for identity. We don't know what we're doing if we're honest. You know, as, many, as the, the favorite term, adulting, has come, right? The adulting is like, hey, I'm, I'm an adult, you know? Like, when, when did that happen? And we try to figure out as best we can and going to all these different places to do that. We don't know where we're going. 
Is this the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the right path that I'm supposed to be taking? And so oftentimes we flock to different things to find out, to help give us answers, to help answer these deep and meaningful questions in our life. Who are we? What are we supposed to be doing? Where are we supposed to be going? If you can answer those questions for people, you can make a lot of money. So what do we do? We flock to different things that promise and guarantee these results. Personality tests, horoscopes, Enneagrams. They tell us who we are so that every day I can wake up and I don't have to wonder about what I should do or how I should act today. I I can get it right on my feet. Oh, today this is how a Sagittarius is going to be feeling or going to be doing. Oh, I'm I'm a number four and so this is how I should act in this situation. Right? We look to things that will tell us and give us meaning and purpose and show us this is the way so that when we can go farther in our life, we don't have to blame ourselves. We can say, well, I was just following this. So many other people followed it too. They give us a sense of direction for our day, for our life, for our interactions so that we do not feel lost, so that we do not feel like we are constantly fumbling through the dark. And yet in the darkness, we constantly find our life decisions and we look at how the world and we see all these broken systems that the world says that this is normal, this is part of life. But we see that there is something wrong about this. One thing I think about is the issue of divorce. Divorce creates one of the worst broken cycles in our humanity, yet it is one of the most practiced things that we do as a society. The majority of marriages will end in divorce. And if you've ever been in a relationship that ended in divorce, you know the brokenness of it. What it does, the heart-wrenching pain that it will bring you to, the, the destructive nature that it has. Because the world in all of its knowledge, the world in all of its purpose-driven TV shows and social media reels will say, be happy. And if the person you aren't with isn't making you happy, forget about the vows. Forget about the covenant. Forget about the intimacy. You need to be happy. And so we are told, go do this. Yet the world leaves us in the dark because we are left with brokenness every time. If you are a child of divorce, then you know the pain. One of the most heart-wrenching things that my wife has talked to me about is the moment, the, the last moment she remembers before her dad left the house for the last time. It was the moment when she knew he wasn't gonna be coming back to live in her home anymore as her dad. She was the age of Judah now, And as he was leaving the house, getting on his shoes and his coat and preparing to go, she ran up to him and grabbed his leg and said, please don't leave. Please stay here. And she was crying, holding his leg, and he had to rip her off and say, I'm sorry, I have to go. And he left that door never to live in that home again. That is a memory that sticks with you. It is a brokenness. Something is broken in that moment that day, a relationship a trust that causes pain, that leaves an imprint on us. 
If you have been in a home with that type of brokenness, then you, you may remember a moment like that when it hit. Children internalize that pain. It's my fault. Why don't they love me anymore enough to stay together? They don't understand the emotional and the physical realities of the world of their parents. All that happens in that moment is the pain for them. Yet in the world, we constantly propagate these systems, these patterns that leave us hopeless and depleted. We celebrate now divorce parties. We encourage people, find your truth. If that person doesn't fulfill you anymore, fine, go find another. Today, we don't even want to be married. Why? Because it's just so much easier to walk away if we never even marry in the first place. This is the world fumbling through the dark. This is the world saying we have all the answers, but truly left in darkness, not knowing where to go and the right thing to do, saying we, we have it all figured out, but yet society is broken. It is more depressed. It is more anxious than ever before. If you look at all of the stats of people, children that end up in foster care and in prisons, in addiction, the overwhelming majority, 70 to 80% of children that end up in the system are from broken homes. Yet, we still see the celebration of this brokenness all around us. We still will say when our friend says, I don't think it's gonna work out anymore. We su support these decisions. I'm just gonna support you Nonetheless, why? Because that's what society tells us a good friend does. Says yes to everything and supports no matter what. There's no consequences in front of us. We jump from job to job, career to career, praying, hoping this will be the one that finally makes me happy since rich people say all the time, do what you love. If you just do what you love, you'll solve all your problems in life. You'll never work a day in your life. We've all heard it said a thousand times. And so we search like having our next fix to that next job, that next career, that new business, that new idea. And we try and we try. Yet those rich people that tell us love what you do, they themselves never have enough and still require more and more and more. In our brokenness, in our hopelessness, we are always searching, we are always asking, what can show us the way? Show me who I am. Show me where I'm going. Please, something, someone, show me where to go. And as we cry out, we check this answer and we fumble towards that thing. And, and it's the blind leading the blind saying, will this work? And yet over and over again, we fall deeper and deeper into the pit. What can illuminate this darkness? 
The answer that Jesus gives here in his word is that only his teaching, only his word can illuminate this darkness for us. He is the only light. Jesus' teachings that illuminate the darkness for us so that we know how to live these healthy and holistic lives. So we don't have to fumble through the dark wondering, how was I made? What is this supposed to be like? How am I supposed to live out this, this next phase in my life? Jesus says, his word is the light. It is the light that is gonna get going to guide us, the light that when we bring it into the room, it will light up the room, it will finally reveal to us, this is how we're meant to live. This is who we're meant to be. When we follow it, we finally have the path guided before us. Consider the problem of divorce. Jesus talks about this. He opens up the true design of marriage. And he says, divorce is only for the hard of heart. Do you know what that means? That it's for the people that are too stubborn, too prideful. Why? Because he says that human relationship was not meant to carry that type of brokenness. Human relationship was not meant to be destroyed. That, that covenant between a man and his wife is the same covenant that God has with us. A covenant that we know and pray and, and hope in that will not be broken is the same covenant that we are supposed to have with each other. This, this is the way. This is the light. And in that covenant, it is not an exercise in selfishness. How can you make me happy? but an, an exercise in sacrifice and selflessness. How can I serve you? Marriage is not about the ultimate pleasure, but it is about the ultimate refiningness of holiness. How can I lay down my life for you just as Christ has laid his life down for me? When marriage is no longer about my fulfillment as the world says it is, but it's about my partner's fulfillment and caring for them, then what happens? True trust can blossom. I have your best interest at heart. I know that you have my best interest at heart. So if you say you can't do this, I trust that you can't do this because you have considered the cost for me but more than even I have considered the cost for myself. You have laid down so much, you know, if I do this, then this will fall apart. And so Jesus gives us these teachings, right? We just finished the sermon on the plane where he says, this is how humanity was meant to live. You can read the Sermon on the Mount. This is how we were supposed to go about. This is what the law was for to show us how to care for one another, to love one another, to be in deep relationship with one another. This brings life and life more abundantly, no longer 
Are relationships all about the next time you do something wrong, I'm leaving you? Or what does it become about? It's this mutual sacrifice between each other. Yeah, I don't like some of the things you do. I don't like the way that you clean the countertop. I don't like the way you fold your clothes and fold mine. I don't like I don't like the way that you walk in that door. I don't like the way your breath smells at four o'clock in the afternoon. I hear some funny stuff. <laughs> to be known, to be loved, to be cared for. That is how Christ designed us. To not only receive that, but to also give it, to reflect it to others. And though it may be hard, though it may be difficult, though we go through seasons where I would rather leave, where that person looks better, that situation looks happier. That grass looks greener. I know that in the word that this is what life is. This is what is better for me, though it may be hard. I know that your ways, Lord, are better than mine. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We no longer need that horoscope or Enneagram or personality test to tell me who I am. Because I know who I am in Christ. I open the scriptures and see clearly my purpose, my identity, my mission, what I am to live for every day. I don't need someone to tell me what I need to live for and wake for and breathe for that day. I don't need someone to tell me what I'm supposed to act like and what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to respond in situations. No, I don't need to search any farther than the scriptures because Jesus lays out, this is what humanity was made for. This is how we were made to act. This is how we were made to treat each other. This is how we were made to live day by day by day. I am beloved. I am a son and daughter of God. I am an heir with Christ. I am chosen. I am a royal priesthood and I have a mission, a great commission of what I am called to do every day. Jesus illuminates the room for us so that we no longer have to fumble through the darkness and wonder, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to go? Are there situations of divorce where it's allowed? Yes, for the hard-heartedness of man. Are there times that I would recommend it? Yes, for the hard-heartedness of man. Can an Enneagram be helpful in a personality test? Sure, it can. But where is the source of my decision-making? 
Where is the illumination coming from? Where is the light that shows me this is what I am called to do? This is who I am called to be. See, what Jesus' word does is it, it shows us how we are called to live fully, a life full of joy, of purpose, of contentment, and most importantly, of abundant life. That when Jesus says, when you come to me, you will receive life and life more abundantly, meaning that when we follow his way, when we live by how he calls us to live, what happens is we get the best life for the bang for our buck that we could possibly get anywhere else. And the life comes abundantly. And so we don't have to search any farther than looking at his scriptures. But God's word not only illuminates the dark for us, but it also exposes our hearts. See, God sees our sin. The thing about God is you cannot fool God. You can't fool him into thinking that you are good. Proverbs 20, 27 says he searches or he knows all our innermost parts. Nothing will stay hidden from God. Your secret affair, your nightly habits, your hidden addictions, nothing will stay hidden. Those are the obvious things, but even the unobvious things, the things that are going on in your heart, the, the coworker that you hate, the, the person that you constantly try to get rid of, that you passive-aggressively passive aggressively attack on the regular basis, the one that you are jealous of, that you want more of what their life is, and you constantly crave the things that you don't have, the things that are in our heart are even exposed by his light. See, we may be able to fool our spouse. We may be able to fool our friends, maybe even our church family, but there are two people that you will never fool. You will never fool God and you will never fool your kids if you have them. That's me, I grew up with a lot of church kids. There's no fooling them. This should cause us to fear. Everything I thought I would get away with, I will not get away with. Everything I thought that was hidden will be exposed. Everything I thought that was tucked away in that neat corner that I was able to hide from this person or that person, thank goodness that they see the nice outer shell, my, what I present to other people, but no. God sees all. He saw the moment that you hit it. He sees it still in that hidden corner. He knows every single aspect, every piece of dirt that we've tried to pretend like it isn't there. God's light exposes every corner of our hearts. He sees it all. But the thing about this is it also should cause us joy. Because God sees all of who we are, I can praise him. I can praise him unabashedly. I can praise him without shame. I can praise him without condemnation. How I see this happening is, is when we receive Jesus into our, I don't know if you've ever been apartment hunting in NYC, but if you've ever walked into a dark apartment and you've turned on the lights and what happens, you see the roaches scatter. If you've lived in NYC long enough, then you've, you've seen that happen in your lifetime. Maybe it was your own apartment. 
We'll blame your dirty neighbors on it. <laughs> and if you walked into this new apartment and the real estate agent was selling you the whole way, how great and how good and how magnificent, this would be the, the 200 square foot that you're gonna get to live in for the $10,000 a month and it's the best deal that you ever saw in your life and all the amenities and the places that you're next to and then you walk in and you turn on that light and all the roaches go running away. What are you gonna do at that moment? I'm, ta I'm turning around. This is disgusting. I don't want to be here. I don't want to live here. But you see, God, when we turn on the light and we try to tell him how pretty, how good, how righteous we have been, and we invite him into our home and we turn on the light, he walks in as the light, and all the roaches start to run. God puts on his cleaning gloves. He says, this is my home. He doesn't turn away and reject us. He doesn't say, you've been too sinful for me. He doesn't say, you have done more than even I can heal. No, he walks in and the exposure of his light says, God, you see the most sinfulness of me more than anyone around me, yet you love me the most more than anyone around me. Jesus says when he comes and he makes his home with us, he cleans up the home, he tidies up, he puts everything in order. The fact that he sees everything should cause us to fear, but it also should cause us to praise. Because an exposed heart before God means that he is not surprised by my past. He is not surprised by my future. He is not surprised by my day before or my morning or my afternoon. He is not surprised yet. He makes his dwelling and his home with me. Yet he is always there with his broom. He is always there with the sweeper, ready to throw out the junk, ready to clean up, constantly sanctifying me. And when he presents me, he presents me with new robes. Jesus sees our hearts for what it is. No matter what face we have put on in front of others, no matter how much makeup we have put on in front of our friends, no matter what nice clothes that we have bought to wear so that we can present ourselves in front of others, we cannot fool him. And yet he makes our heart his dwelling place. So because Jesus' word illuminates our path, and because his word exposes our hearts, then we must be careful how we hear it, church. We must consider how we hear it. We must take seriously how we hear it. If we have not heard well, Jesus says, the little that we have will be taken from us. The little that you have can be so many different things. It could be those earthly goods that you have accumulated. That momentary happiness that you have savored. The prestige of your friend groups or of social media. Now you can buy your blue mark check. Your status symbols, your filthy rags of righteousness. All of them will be stripped away. And we will be naked on the day of judgment. We cannot take our fancy job 
our fancy clothes, our fancy bank accounts. We cannot take our future hopes and our dreams and I could have been and I should have done with us. If we do not hear well, the grand things, the things that may have seemed grand in life that will be so little in eternity, even those little things will be stripped from us. They will all be worth nothing. In fact, in James, it not only says that they will be worth nothing, but some of them will be used to testify against us. That the word that you have heard about Jesus and what you have heard from his scriptures and from his teachings and from the preachings and from the podcast and still you have done this. Those things that you have taken with you, that you have done, that you have accumulated. Those things will testify against us. But yet if we have heard well, we will be given more than we could have imagined. The Apostle Peter describes it this way. It's our reward of salvation. He says that it is more precious than gold because gold is perishable and rots. I don't know if anybody has lived long enough to have gold for decades, but it doesn't really rot. And so what is what is Peter saying here that even in these, these precious metals that can last for centuries, millennia, one day they even will pass away, these most precious things. But what God gives us, his reward is imperishable. Because when you look at eternity and you look at how long gold will last or whatever precious metal will last, it is but a blip on the radar. It is small. It is nothing. What we get from God is imperishable. It will never rot. It will never disappear. It will never be taken away. Peter says it is kept in heaven, guarded by God. And he says the few things that we have, the the trials, the hurts in this world here on earth, it is nothing compared to the salvation we receive by faith in Jesus. It is everlasting in a new heaven and a new earth. It goes on forevermore. There will be no tears. There will be no pain. There will be no sickness. What we receive from God as we hear well will be greater than anything we could have imagined. It is the greatest gift that we can receive. And in light of it, everything else seems dull. Everything else seems small. Everything else seems so temporary because it is. And so today I ask you to examine your life with care. What do you use to guide or illuminate your path? Where do you find wisdom? Is it in the word? Or is it in your friend's advice? Is it from your your parents' habits? Do you just do these things because you've always done them? Is it because this is what everybody else around you in culture is doing? 
Is it because you saw this on an Instagram thread or a TikTok reel? Where do you get the wisdom that illuminates the room that shows you this is what we are made for? This is your purpose. This is, this is why you live. This is what you are called to do. This is your identity. Where does it come from? If it's the word that brings light and life into our dark world, if it has the answers, if it speaks to the most core issues of our heart, have you spent time to study it? Have you spent time to read it? Have you spent time to open it to say, what does Jesus actually say about how I should live? And oftentimes it's so contrary or feels so foreign to us, we close it and say that's impossible. But yet we close the very words of life. The things that will say, if you do this, you will feel more alive than anything else you have done. Do you skim your daily Bible reading to check it off on a list and say, oh, I'm good now? Or do you sit with it and ask the Lord, expose my heart today? I end every time in my scripture with prayer of asking God to transform me based off of the scripture I just read. And a good way of doing this is I am never the hero in the story when I read the story. I am not David. I am either Goliath or the scared Israelites in that story. I am, I am the Pharisee that comes and everybody's like, oh yeah, Jesus is real cool, doing a lot of great stuff. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, but you're wrong. I am not the one leper that returned to thank Jesus, but I am one of the nine that went on. Jesus, expose my heart. Show me my blind spots in my sinfulness that I may bring it over to you and everything may be left at the altar. How you hear will determine if you are left with nothing or whether you have abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. The stakes are high, church. The stakes are high. Let your hearing reflect that. Let it not be casual. That when you read the word and Jesus offers advice, let it not be thrown on your nightstand with all the other pieces of advice that you've got from your TV shows and your Enneagram and your friends and your parents and your culture. Maybe I'll consider. But let yourself hear, knowing that this is the only illumination, this is the only exposure that will lead me to abundant life more than I could ever ask or imagine. Stand with me to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And in your light is the life of men.
Lord, it doesn't make sense, as you said, to have a lamp and then to cover up the light. But many of us have been covering up the light of the word in our life. Pretending we haven't heard it or sad at what you call us to do, like the rich young ruler. Lord, I pray that your light would illuminate the home of our hearts today. That it would expose us for who we are, but that it would cause us to run to you and praise, knowing that you are not afraid to get your hands dirty in the living room of my heart. That you are here right now with your light ready to expose and to burn away all the things of this world that have settled in. Help us to hear, God, that our life would be changed, that we would hear differently, that we would see that the stakes are high. Lord, that we would walk away with more than we could ever ask or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.